0: Tonight, we conclude this whole series of The Olympian. And uh, in the past four four weeks, we looked at some keys, some principles that will help every single one of us, not only to dream the dream, but see God come through for us. And we're asking the question, is what does it take for somebody uh, to dream a dream and see it to fruition, whilst others falter along the way and quit? What differentiates basically people who accomplish the dreams from those who are quitters? And uh, uh, I attempted to persuade you uh, that our, our dreams are not something that will be accomplished because of our talents or great planning or whatever else that we do externally or our network of friends or, or our support system or whatever capacities that we have. But the the dream that God places in your heart will only be accomplished because of the inner life that you have. And that's what we did. We're playing around with the five senses and we looked at the inner uh, vision of who you are. Not the inner vision of what you want to be and what you want to accomplish and what you want to do. It all starts with who you are, seeing yourself the way God sees you. And the following week. We looked at training. We looked at the hand. We looked at the importance of enduring the trainings and the trials of life. You actually have to do something. You can't accomplish anything worth significance unless you put the hard yard. You know, it's 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 all about, you know, uh, the saying that once was uh, communicated, let go and let God, that is absolutely unbiblical. There is no such thing as let go, sit on your, uh, you know, uh, excuse the language, on your backside and God will do it for you. That is just ridiculous. Who have you seen in the scripture that accomplished anything for God that was sitting and meditating all day long? Like seriously. It's a nice spiritualizing stuff, but it's not true. And then we looked at the mouth and we looked at self-control is what we take in. And unless we control our appetites, it will take over and we will end up being servants to our desires and and, and ambitions and appetites rather than being controlled in what we want to do in life. And, And last week we talked about the nose and we talked about that it takes people to bring out the smell of Jesus in us. It takes people to rub us the wrong way just as they rub us the right way in order for us to be transparent, to be supported, and to be challenged in order to bring out the Jesus out of us. And today I want to finish off with the ear. And this is a really significant thing because it takes us into a completely different direction. If the first few were all about what your inner being looks like, as this is about what God will do to you. It's not about what you're going to do, but it's about what God will do if you're going to accomplish the dream that He's placed in your heart. All this time, we've been addressing the story of Joseph. And we looked at a young man, he's uh, uh, 17 years old, comes on the, on the pages of history, and he has a dream. He actually is favored by his father. He's got the long sleeve coat that distinguishes him from his brothers, another uh, 12 brothers, and, and basically he was the supervisor. So imagine some some kid grows up, he's the second youngest and, and all of the sudden he doesn't have to do any house chores. He doesn't have to do any work. He just supervises. It's like when we have, uh, you know, back at school and I, I used to be in, uh, uh, in the teaching industry or even when we do the working bee here, I love to supervise. I call it prayer, you know, supervision. I pray for the people because I'm a hopeless handyman. But the reality is this is this what, what Joseph grew up doing. He was a supervisor. He, he embraced the identity of being a leader. He, 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 when he sees something not quite right, he goes and dobs and to his father and tells him, you know, those kids are not doing the right thing. Not only was he so blessed by his father, he was blessed by God. The reality is God is the one that gave him two completely amazing dreams. The first dream some of you know about, that he was uh, they had sheaves there, and, and he said to his brothers that your sheaves bow down to mine. It, it, it means like, you're going to, to, to bow down. You're going to be underneath. You're going to be servant to, You're going to submit to me. You're going to be less than me, and I'm going to be the leader. I'm going to be the sustainer, so to speak. I'm going to have the, the authority of a firstborn, even though I'm the second uh, youngest in the family. And the second dream, it was even worse. He says, you know, I saw the moon and, and the sun and the stars bowing down before me. He included his father and mother. His, his dream was so ridiculous that his father and mother will, be, will, will, will bow before him. He will have more authority and more influence, even more than his father and mother. He had aspiration. And I have no doubt that it had an element of God in it, but he had aspirations. He had dreams. And I don't know about the dreams that you have. You know, growing up, some of us will have dreams of, you know, being uh, freak uh, soccer players or, or being incredible musicians or incredible entrepreneurs or, or, you know, amazing, you know, whatever career that you can think of. And we have aspirations and the aspiration, the amazing things about it, they can sometimes have the thumbprint of God in them. Because God is, a, is not a mediocre anything. God doesn't just want you to be a bum, you know. Sorry to say that, but you know, God doesn't just want you to sit in a corner and be a nothing. God has lavished gifts and talents and opportunities and people around you to make you something of significance and of influence in your world. He doesn't want you to be a waste of oxygen, He wants you to make a difference in your world. But sometimes our aspirations can keep us from. Are God inspirations. And God took Joseph and said to him, Listen, your aspirations are great, but you don't have the right depth to see the breadth of my vision for you. You don't have the right depth to see the breadth that I have for you. And listen, some of us tonight, including me, need to be reminded that the depth of our being determines the breadth of our influence. And you can trick people around you, but you can't trick God in giving you what He desires for you to have. God would say, here it is. I'm so desperate for you to do this. I'm so desperate for you to be this, but I can't until you allow my spirit to make a difference inside of you because otherwise that will ruin you not bless you you know i i i I remember in 1996 in particular it was around april 1996 i had an experience of god through my quiet time that i've never had since and i've never had before but it was so clear god gave me a significant vision of what the future looks like and i was thinking bang this is gonna happen in no time, and the rea- reality was for nine years, that vision did not come any way near fruition. It's not that God didn't have it there for me, but I wasn't ready for that. My depth. My relationship with God, my inner life would not allow God to do something to me, give something to me that would ruin me for the rest of my life. And you too, you will not see what God planned for your life until you allow Him to clean what's on the inside. It could be something that's stopping the flow of God's blessing over your life and you can be talented, you can be gifted, you can be supported. But I tell you, if God shuts a door, no one can open it. And Joseph, God said, I'm going to take you to Egypt, brother. I'm going to take you to Egypt. I'm going to clean you up so that I can see the dream that I have for you come to fruition. And Joseph goes to Egypt as a slave and then gets lumped in a prison, so unfairly, so unjustly treated. But that leads to him becoming the second in charge in all of Egypt, which uh, now it's no bigger deal. But back then it was the most powerful country in the world the known world at the time and then his brothers just as it was said that there was a famine for seven years after seven years of plenty and his brothers came from uh, canaan to egypt and 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 sought to purchase food in order for their survival and believe it or not without knowing who that man that the lord that looked after the food they literally bowed before him fulfilling that dream that god has given him because god has put it in his heart but he couldn't receive the dream because he wasn't prepared for the dream don't blame god for not doing for you what he does, promised to do because you're not ready allow him to look after the depth and then you see the brothers coming and bowing and he was used dramatically to save his family from the famine from destruction And not only that, but he asked them to come and bring the father, uh, Jacob, to come around and and stay in an area called Goshen. And he provided for them food. They had no worries whatsoever. while everybody else back home probably was struggling. And here we come to a point in the story what I want to finish with. It's the end days of his father, Jacob, the father that loved him, so much, and it says in Genesis chapter 49: if you've got your Bibles, if you don't, maybe next time bring it with you, or you've got your phone, get it out. Sometime later, Joseph told uh, Joseph was told, your father, that is Jacob, is ill. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. He took with him Manasseh and Ephraim. I want to tell you something. Here comes the end of Jacob's life. And you know, when, when somebody's about to die, uh, this is a really significant moment for the family. And it's almost Joseph is bringing his life before his father in those last days. And he's saying, this is what happened to me in life thus far. What is the significance of his birth children, Manasseh and Ephraim? I'm going to read you a couple of verses that shares the meaning of the names Manasseh and Ephraim from the book of Genesis chapter 41, so several chapters earlier, it says this. Chapter 41 and and, and verse 51, it says, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The first blessing that Joseph brings to his father is, listen, I was so badly treated. I was so badly mistreated. I was so hurt by my brothers. I was so hurt by circumstances of life. I was betrayed. Nobody else has been betrayed like me. But Praise God. He made me forget my problems, my suffering, my my, my bitterness. He made me forget. That means God has healed me. That's what he's saying. He's saying I come here as a person who's been healed by God's blessing, by God's favor, by God's abilities to remove that which was eating me from the inside. And then in verse 52, he said, The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Uh, Joseph was saying to his dad, God is God Almighty who can turn things around, who can take something so bad and turn it into something so good. He can take a land of suffering and make me fruitful, not outside the suffering, but in the midst of the land of my suffering he's saying i look at me now i was sold as a slave with no hope with no future and look at me now god has brought amazing blessing into my life it's almost like joseph is saying what more could i ask for you see as parents and that might embarrass my kids but i'm gonna live with it it's my last sermon for, for 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 a little bit and uh You know, we say, you know, it doesn't matter what job you have, doesn't matter what ministry you have, doesn't matter what friendship you have, but the thing that blesses your heart like nothing else are your children. You're willing to give everything up. There is nothing compares to having, and and, and this is exactly what Joseph said, what else could have asked of God? He's filled every human aspiration. Every human aspiration that I have, God. So uh, Joseph was going to live the rest of his life doing what? He's accomplished everything. Now he's second in charge. Now he's received the fulfillment of that dream. What is he going to accomplish? Now there's nothing left to accomplish. And he was about to get the surprise of his life. Look at that. In verse 2 and in Genesis 48, it says, When Jacob was told, Your son Joseph has come to you, Israel, which the name that God gave him, rallied his strength and sat up on the bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Loss in the land of Canaan, and there he blessed me and said to me, I'm going to make you fruitful and will increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples, and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendant after you. He says to Joseph, listen to me, brother or son. I'm about to put you in the picture that you may have missed. You are Joseph, and you've got children, and it seems like you've accomplished every human aspiration that you may have wanted and longed for but I want to give you the bigger picture of what really God wants to do I want to let you know that the picture where you sit is a picture that is beyond you and it started before you you're just a person in the story you're just a member on the scene you are not the scene. You've got to know, Joseph, that even though you've got your aspirations, you, God wants to take you above that which is human and wants to lift your eyes beyond yourself and take you to the next level to know the bigger picture. Joseph, you are fruitful, not because you're fruitful, because back then God looked at me before you were anything and God said, I'm going to make you fruitful and, and increase your numbers. The reason why God gave you Ephraim and made you fruitful, Joseph, not because of you, but because in the bigger picture, God intended for our family to be fruitful and to multiply and to be community of people that we're going to bless the nations, not just our nation. We're there for a greater purpose. We are, Joseph, just look beyond the two children. Just look beyond the glory that you've experienced because I have such a bigger picture than you've ever imagined. You had a little dream that you'll be the leader, the firstborn in, 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 in our little family back in Canaan. But God has a bigger plan for you that is global, not merely local. He said, I want you to know, Joseph, that it's God's, God Almighty. He's not to be messed with friends. I want to tell you God is almighty. Don't mess with him. I honestly want to tell you that God is almighty cannot be mocked. You can't muck around with God. You can't trick God. You can't play games with God. He's almighty. And he is able to do immeasurably more than what we ask or imagine. In verse 5 it says, Now then, Your two sons born to you in Egypt before I came to you here will be reckoned as mine. That's Jacob speaking. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine just as Reuben and Simeon are mine. It's like what? All of a sudden, the grandfather is claiming adoption of the two young kids, uh, the two kids of Joseph. And, and, and not only putting them as, as the end of, 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 of the line of, of his descendants, he's putting them as the first and the second in, 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 in the family tree. He's saying they're going to be like Reuben, the firstborn of, of Jacob, and Simeon, the second. He's saying, I am adopting your children. That's freaky. I'm adopting your children. You, you, the first thing that Joseph realized right away, that if his father is adopting Joseph's children, uh, those children are going to make up the the tribes of Israel. That means Joseph, the one, becomes two. That means Joseph becomes the firstborn which he had dreamt a long time ago. Because the firstborn had the double portion. He was the main person and and, and here Joseph is given the opportunity. Not only that, just think with me. Israel or Jacob became the nation that God blessed the world with. They are the nation that God promised Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And look at this. Joseph doesn't become an extension of jacob believe it or not in that instant joseph came alongside and partnered as equal with jacob it's like jacob is providing for god's god's nation and the nation's 10 tribes and here we've got joseph providing two tribes all of the sudden, not only Joseph was one of the people that are going to impact the nations, he came alongside Jacob, equal in impacting the dream that God has. All of the sudden, Joseph realized, I'm not just the firstborn. I am now with my dad co-partners in fulfilling the big picture and the dream. Is it any wonder that it continues here it just seems like out of the blue uh jo- jacob says to, to joseph you know it's completely out of context so to speak it says as i was returning from Padan <clears throat> to my sorrow rachel died in the land uh, rachel is is joseph's mother jacob's favorite wife in the land to canaan and you hear favorite wife there shouldn't be many but he had uh, in the land of Canaan while we were still on the way a little distance from Ephrath Afra, so I buried lit, uh, I buried her there beside the road to Ephrath that is Bethlehem and then the following thing it says when Israel saw the sons of Joseph it's like what was that interruption about like why you bring your wife your dead wife into the equation right here like wh- what is that all about he's saying to him listen if your mom was here I would have had so much more children possibly. But now you are taken over and with your wife, you're like replacing me and your mom in providing partners for that dream that God had for our family. Wow, wow, wow. Is it any wonder that God takes our little aspiration and turns it, on its head to a a whole new level level of God inspirations, your dream friends in this world is that big compared to what God wants to do in you. Look at the bigger picture of where God wants to put you it says uh, in, in it says they um they are the sons god you know When Israel saw the sons of Joseph, he asked, who are these? He couldn't see, just like his father couldn't see properly. So he needed people to be pretty close to him. They didn't have short, distance glasses and the like. So he he needed to bring those kids pretty close. Um, And then, then Israel said, bring them to me so I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his, his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again, and now God has allowed me to see your children too. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees. Uh, They were about twenty or something because Israel at this uh, uh, Jacob at this time has been in Egypt for seventeen years. Uh, Joseph had those kids before his father came, so they they were in their twenties. So they weren't sitting on Jacob's knees, but they're close to Jacob's knees, and and Joseph removed them out of the way. And this is so incredible. And Joseph bowed down with his face to the ground. Ah, my God! If you get some commentators say, what was this all about? It you know, doesn't make sense. It is so obvious what Joseph was doing. Do you think Joseph has forgotten the dream? That he wanted his brothers and the moon and the star, his mom and dad, to bow before him? He wouldn't allow that. It says, God has fulfilled the dream of making over and above giving me over and above than what I expected. I am now uh, co-partner with my dad, but I want to tell you something. My heart is now different. I don't want you, dad, to bow down to me. Here I am. I bow down to you in humility because I tell you what, if you allow God's spirit to change you from the inside, if you allow him to work on your depth, he will give you breadth you've never experienced in your life joseph as soon as he sees way beyond his wildest dreams a fulfillment of dream he's never had he bowed down not wanted anybody to doubt, to bow down to him and until you're able To see God change your inner being to be a man of humility or a woman of humility. A person that doesn't want things for ourselves, but want a blessing for others. God will never give you the extent of the blessing that he wants to give you. God saw through Joseph, said, I know Joseph, you no longer want anybody to bow. You don't want to be the big deal. You just want to serve. You want to be part of the bigger picture. And now I bless you beyond your wildest dreams. Don't ever forget. God had chained Joseph around in order to take him to a level he had never dreamed of. And then Joseph took both of his children, Ephraim on his right toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh on his left toward Israel's right hand. So if, if I'm sitting in front of you like that, my left is your right, and my right is your left. So Joseph and, and, and Jacob were standing in front of each other. And, and, and Joseph put the, the, the older son closest to his father's right hand. And he put the youngest son, Ephraim, to his dad's left hand. So that his father could put, doesn't have to, to agonize too much. He could just stretch his frail hand, his right hand, on the head of Manasseh to bless him because he's the firstborn, and to ble- put his left hand on the head of Ephraim to bless him. He wanted to make life easy for his father. And this is exactly the same situation. It might have reminded Jacob of the time where he attempted to get a blessing from his dad, Isaac, instead of his brother, Esau, because Jacob was the younger one. And here, Jacob, instead of putting his left in front of him to bless Ephraim and his right in front of him to bless Manasseh, it says that he crossed his arms. Let's get in the next scripture. It says that he crossed his arms, crossing his arms. Jacob put his left hand on, on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn and deserved to have the right hand there. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been what? My shepherd, not just almighty God, but the God that cared for me. The God that is tender towards me. The God that provides for my needs. We need to know a God on a different level, not just a God in heaven that is looking over us to see if we're doing the right thing. But a God that so desperately loves and cares for us. And he said, that the, my shepherd, uh, all my life to this day, the angel who delivered me from all harm, May he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may in, may they increase greatly on the earth. That is the same promise and the same picture of what God is trying to do to the world. When Joseph saw his father placing his right hand on, the, on Ephraim's head, the younger one, and he, he was displeased. So he took hold of his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head in order to place it on Manasseh's head because he felt this is not the right way, father. You need to put your right hand on the firstborn. Joseph said to him, no, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand. Isn't that funny? Sometimes we tell God what to do. Um, But he's saying to his father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused. And said, I know my son. I may not have my sight, but I have divine insight. I know my son. I know. He too will become a people. Don't worry about Manasseh. He's going to be great. And he too will become great. Nevertheless, this his younger brother, whose name is Ephraim, will be greater than he. And his de- descendants will become a group of nations. What happened then?" What happened there? What happened there is absolutely freaky. The future of, 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 of Joseph now through his descendants is being framed by two things. It's being framed by the word of God, the prophetic word of God that said to Jacob that your children will multiply and be fruitful and increase, yeah? And there will be a group of nations or a community of nations of your life. It's the same words. The destiny of the children of Joseph is, is framed by, number one, the prophetic word that, that Jacob heard from God. It's almost like our scripture. where Our lives and our futures are framed first and above all by the prophetic word in the scripture, by what God says in the scripture about you. But look at that second one. They were also, their future was dependent on the prophetic word that Jacob actually spoke over them. The reality is this. When when Esau was replaced by Jacob, it was God who said to his mother that the the younger will be greater than the older. When when, when Ishmael was, was, was replaced by Isaac, it was God's prophetic word to his parents that Isaac is the promised man. When, when we see here Ephraim and Manasseh, there is no and nothing, no mention in the record of the scripture that God said that Ephraim should be greater than Manasseh. It's not written. So where did that come from? It came from a prophetic word by the grandfather. Their future... W- w- their futures were not just impacted by the prophetic word in the scripture. It was impacted by somebody spoke life into their situation before anything else was spoken about them. Their future was shaped by the word of God and by the word of prophecy. And I want to stop for a second here and say to you, What is the word of God says? What does the word of God say about you? And what are the prophetic words that God shared through people about you? I know people freaking out. Prophetic word just uh, that sounds loopy. Jacob created a future for those two, not because it was written. Because he prophesied it into being. What are you prophesying over others? First of all, what life are you giving others? What are you speaking over others? And secondly, what is God speaking to you and about you? Not just through the scripture, but through words of prophecy. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it, oh, we we said that. And, and in verse 15, I think, is that the next one? Yeah. In your name, uh, it says, he blessed them that day and said, in your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So that he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. Did, did you get this? It says that there will be a, a, a blessing pronounced over people. It says, that, May God bless you like He blessed Manasseh and Ephraim. It's almost like you become an example of what's like to be blessed by God. That's the power of the Word of God and the prophecy that comes your way. It shapes your future in a way that you become an example to what God would do to others as well. Because remember, the bigger picture is not about you. The only reason why we don't step into our destiny. Is because we, we, we think so self-centered, it was so self-centeredness about God's Word and God's promises. But imagine, imagine if you allowed the Word of God and the prophecies that are spoken about you to be not about you, but about the impact that God would do through you. Imagine if God could literally take your human aspiration that's selfish and turns it into God inspiration that's not selfish but selfless. Imagine if you could be the person that co-partners with God just like Joseph co-partnered with Jacob to change the world. The reason why you're not seeing effectiveness in the work that you do is because you're focused on you. The reason why you're not seeing the miracles happen through you is because it's all about you. Until God sees you able to bow down, until God sees you able to sit, Think about others and the bigger picture that God has for His world. Unless your heart yearns for what break God's, breaks God's heart, unless you you go out of your way to fulfill and want to fulfill God's purposes for your life, you will always remain with your human aspiration frustrated, not fulfilled. Would you step outside your aspiration tonight? Because God takes the most ordinary people and he creates such an extraordinary vision for their future. We were praying this morning uh, for everybody that, that, that was touched by God last night in, in our camp. And, and came a time where, where I felt God so heavily say to me, just don't just pray for their protection. Because that's great, but I don't want you to just pray for their protection, but I want you to pray for their influence. That you, if only we see what God wants to do in us, we would be it would be mind-boggling. God has so much in store for you and for me than we could ever imagine, but the only reason we're not seeing it is because we're so self-centered. This week, Susie's been reading a book um, called Stay the Path by Bobby Houston. Bobby Houston and Brian Houston, obviously, they, they are phénomena. What they accomplished in God is beyond anybody's wildest dreams, simply because I've been in ministry for long enough to tell you that anybody will do anything for God will be shot at. And when they're doing not much for God, the fact that they're still standing and together and serving God and nobody's found anything against them, they are phenomenal. but they haven't been always like that. Cici reads a story about Bobby when about over twenty years ago, when she went to a women leadership uh, a women leadership conference, and 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 she uh, the, the call came up to to come to the front and receive prayer if they needed to, and there were about two hundred people, and she wasn't known; nobody knew about her. Uh, she was she actually had written a book. And she was so embarrassed of actually publishing this book because she was saying to herself, people are going to think, who the heck do I think I am? Nobody knows you. What what were you writing a book about? So she put it in a drawer and and she was there and she said that she had her her hands over her face and praying and crying and and this particular woman uh, went to her. She didn't know her at all and started prophesying about her and about her future, and, and there is a page and a half in the book, every word, obviously was recorded, what that lady said about her. And she said to her, you have a story that you've tucked away because you have no confidence, but the world needs to hear it. And she said to her, your husband is a faithful man, and he's going to be a man of influence. They had nothing, they had done nothing. And she said, you're going to have spiritual and physical children who are going to be expanding the globe and you, you look at the prophecy 20 odd years ago and every part of it is fulfilled i want to tell you something this is not by chance because there's a thousand over thousands and thousands and thousands of pastors and leaders who would have attempted the same thing they've attempted but they had a special anointing for what god in, did through them and obviously when she speaks about the times of difficulty that, she, that they have gone through, wouldn't, that, wouldn't you bet your life that prophecy was held there? It was kept there for a time such as this to it, it motivate and encourage them to trust God who shapes their life through the word and through the prophetic messages. Just as the worship team comes tonight, I want us to worship God and to say to him with an element of humility, God, would you take away my self-centeredness? Would you take away the small dream that I have for myself? The little dreams that I think if only they get accomplished, I'm going to be happy and and enjoying life and would you would you please work on the depth of my heart would you purify me friends there are people in this place they're stuck they're not a pipe because there is there is something that's blocking God's grace to flow through them because there is selfishness in there and I'd love to pat you on the back, and I want to make you happy so you can come back and enjoy, you know, what we do here. But I got to say it the way it is, and I say the reason why, God wants to bring you to, out of this mess so that he can use you for a bigger picture than you've ever experienced or we wanted. And you know when you when you know that you're doing this for a, bigger purpose for a greater picture that you're you're not in it for you you will have such boldness to speak life into situations that that you think are when it could not possibly happen but you can speak words of of life and and words that will be accomplished because you're not doing it for you but you're partnering with God for a greater purpose for people